0: Well, hello and welcome to Chase Family Church Podcast. Today we have Pete Bernardo speaking on faith. We pray that today's message will really bless you. Okay, so this morning um, I'm going to be talking about faith. And um, I'm going to start off with a story. And um, the story is, cast your minds back to the time on the boat. The wind and the waves are going, there's a storm going on. Anyone been in a storm before? Anyone? What's it like being in a storm? Scary. Anyone been in a storm on water, like in the, in the sea or on the... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty terrifying. I've not been in that situation myself, but I can imagine um, that it's a terrifying situation. So the wind and the waves are going and the disciples are in the boat. And suddenly they see something even more terrifying. They see Jesus walking on the waves. Okay, Now, as far as we know in the, in the history of the Bible and human history, that's the first time anyone's ever done that. Okay, And Jesus was the first person to do that. So they see Jesus walking on the waves. And then Peter says, he says, if it's you, Lord, call me to come. And Jesus calls him to come, and Peter steps out of the boat. Now, how many of you in that situation would have stepped out of the boat? How many of you would would have done? One. How many of you wouldn't have done? There's quite a lot of people. And then there's others kind of on the fence. Well, either you're in the boat or you're out the boat. So maybe you're not sure. Um, Okay, that's very honest. And you know that's that's really good. The the other disciples obviously were in the boat. But what's interesting about this is that Peter, um, it wasn't Jesus that told him to do it. Jesus didn't say, come out. I mean, Peter obviously called and asked him, but it was Peter's idea. Why did Peter think that he could do it? Why did Peter think he could step out onto the waves just as Jesus did? He believed God would get him out. That's true. I think the reason why he thought he could do it was because Until that point, the way Jesus had been discipling them was to try and get them to do the things that he did. Jesus didn't just come into the world like some big superhero and show off all his skills, do all these miracles, you know. Actually, he did the miracles, and then he said to the disciples, now it's your turn. And so that pattern had been ingrained in Peter's mind up to that point where he saw Jesus. He didn't think, wow, there's a man walking on the water. He thought, Jesus is walking on the water, maybe I could do the same. And it was Peter's idea to say, Lord, if it's you, call me to come and join you. Yeah? And then he stepped out of the boat, as we know. And then what happened? He he starts really well, doesn't he? You know, he walks on the water, he sees Jesus, and then what happens the storm is raging around him and he becomes fixated on the storm he loses his focus on Jesus and he starts to sink and Jesus comes along and he says Peter well done you did really well I can't believe you stepped out of the boat you know what better luck next time no he doesn't say that does he do you know what he actually says he says oh you of little faith why did you doubt now I want to ask you a question and I'm gonna give you a minute to talk to the person next to you. The question is, do you think Jesus was being harsh or do you think he was being fair when he said that to Peter? So find someone next to you, I'll give you one minute, off you go. (laughs) So if you're at home watching this, then you can find someone next to you in your room, or if you're on your own, then just think about it and maybe write down some thoughts, okay? Alright, okay, let's um, wrap this up. I know that was a quick minute, but um, got quite a lot to get through. So, let's have some of your ideas. Anyone want to share something? What do you think? Was Jesus being harsh or was he being fair? If I'm honest, I think it's a bit tough. I think because I think that could to the to get out of the Yeah, yeah, that's a very honest answer. Any other thoughts? Yeah. I think he had high expectations Peter, knew him better than he himself. Okay, that's a, I really like that answer. So he had high expectations. I like what you said about Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew himself. And the truth is is that Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we're capable of if we depend on him. He knows what we can do. We, in our minds, have a lot of limitations, you know, and we believe a lot of lies and things like that, and we forget who we really are. That's a really good answer. Any other thoughts? Anyone think he was being? um, Anyone else think he was being fair? Because you know, God is always fair. That's that's a kind of textbook answer, isn't it? Jesus wasn't wasn't sinking. Yeah. That's a that's an answer of faith that is. Yeah. Would you have stepped out on the ho- so <laughs> you can't swim. <laughs> yeah. So that would be a real step of faith. I think Peter probably could swim um because he was a fisherman but um maybe I don't know what the storm was like. <laughs> so Jesus had high expectations of his disciples, and we see that, as, as you pointed out. And we see that in other examples as well, when Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith. Another example was in another storm, when he was in the boat asleep, and they woke him up. And you would, you would have thought, well, that's the right thing to do, isn't it? Wake Jesus up, call upon him, ask him for his help, um, and he can sort it out. But actually, Jesus says, you know, where was your faith? And um, I think that he expected them to actually have done what he did. Because he'd been, they'd been with him long enough to see what he was doing. And he wanted them to step into it. But you're right, Jesus did have very high expectations of his disciples. And actually, he has high expectations of us as well. Because you know what? They, in the situation, that was before the Spirit came at Pentecost. That was before they had the whole Bible. Obviously, they wrote it ultimately. But... You know, what did they have to go on? They only had the life of Jesus, whereas we actually see the whole thing. Now, obviously, you could say, well, they walked with Jesus physically. So, you know, you could talk about these kinds of things for a long time. But I want to talk about what actually is faith, because I think that sometimes we think of, we have different ideas about what faith is. Um, I think faith is much, much more than just an intellectual belief, an intellectual agreement with something. You know, more than an idea. Um, Because as it says in James, it says that even the devil believes that Jesus is Lord. He believes that Jesus rose again. He knows the gospel and he believes it's true. But the devil is condemned. He doesn't have faith. The kind of faith that saves, the kind of faith that is living and active is much more than an idea. So we're going to read a lot of Bible. So if you like the Bible, then that's good. Um, So we're going to turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Um, and we're going to read the whole thing. Um, so, we're going to start off with verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed in the word of, by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So faith is a substance, Faith is something that's real, that's tangible. Faith is something that has effect. Faith is something that is um, shown through evidence. It's something that is sh- that shows the things that are not seen. So it has to do with the realm that is immaterial, the spiritual realm. And it ha- also has something to do with, with our realm as well. Um, it talks about creation here, that the, the, as God formed cre- uh, the world, uh, and the things which are invisible, as it says here, is God. He's invisible. The word of God is invisible. And it was the word of God that brought the world into being. So faith produces something in the physical. It's not enough just for it to be you know, um, in the spiritual. It has to, be, has to come into the physical. Okay? And we're going to get onto that a little bit more in a minute. So let's read on. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away, so that he did not see death, and was not found, because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this. Ooh this testimony, that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, I want to pause there for a second. A very important point, I think, with faith is the understanding of God and who he is and his character. We are in a world um, surrounded by imperfect people. We ourselves are imperfect. So we're used to lying, lying, or twisting the truth, or we're used to our words not really meaning what we say. Or maybe one day we say something that we really believe in, and the next day we don't really believe it anymore. God is nothing like that. God, When God speaks, he means it. In fact, there's a verse in the Psalms, I'm not going to go and find it, but I think it's Psalm 138, which says that God has put his word above his name. So even above his own name, and he's a name above all names, he puts his word so when God says something, is absolutely true, it can never be undone, it can never be shaken. And we are used to things being up and down, things being unsure, unclear, a bit chaotic at times, but God is not like that, and he is good. If we're going to have faith, we have to believe that he is good, and he is faithful, and he is fair, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If we diligently seek him, we're not going to come empty because God is going to reward us for that. Okay, let's move on. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of the promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the which was you know, a pagan place. His, family were, his immediate family were pagans. They worshipped idols. And he followed this, this unknown voice um, to go somewhere. God didn't even tell him where he was going to go. He just said, follow me, go, leave everything you know, and go into the desert. I will take care of you. I'll show you where you're going to go, promised land. I mean, I mean that's huge faith huge faith. He left behind his old life. Now I want to pause here for a minute because there's a pattern that I, I, I see and continue to see reading this chapter. And that is that there are two things that keep coming up. One is death and one is life. There is death and there's life. Abel had a sacrifice that was more pleasing to God. Enoch escaped death He passed into a new life and didn't have death. Noah escaped death in his family. Everyone else was dying around them, but they were kept. We have Abraham who died to an old life and went into a new life. And we also have him being the father of many new lives. We also have, um, as we read on, it talks about Isaac and it talks about all of these things. So faith actually is a matter of life and death. There's life and death in faith. In fact, um, I think it was Catherine Coleman who said that when she preaches, she dies a thousand deaths before she preaches. And I think that faith is, dying is an an important element of faith. And I'm going to talk a bit more about this as well. But I just wanted to note that pattern as we move on. So the next thing it says is, these all died in faith, not having the received You know, Noah would not have built the ark if he wasn't expecting something to happen, expecting God to do something. You know, Abraham wouldn't have left his home country if he didn't think that God's voice was true and that actually the the thing that God was leading him to was better than what he was currently in. They were looking forward, and they realized, as it says here, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. And the question for us is, which world are we part of? Which world do we have our affinity to? Are we like most people in the world and have our hearts set in, the world, in, the, in, this, in this world? Or do we realize that we're strangers and pilgrims on the earth? Actually, we have a different home. Our home is somewhere unseen, which is what this talks about. You see, they didn't have the theology for this but we actually have the whole Bible which talks more about the kingdom of heaven and Jesus who talked about the kingdom of heaven because Jesus came from the the home that actually they were looking towards. He came from the heavenly country. He came from Zion and he came into this world and he tells us to to, to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. So part of faith is knowing that you, actually your home, is not here. That's an important part of faith. So we're going to move on. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac your seed shall be called concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received in him a figurative sense so Abraham believed listen there was no there was no um reference for Abraham to believe in resurrection he didn't you know Jesus hadn't come at that point there hasn't been a resurrection but he knew because God had said he'd promised he knew that God would raise him from the dead if he needed to and then obviously the angel stepped in at the last minute and Isaac was preserved. But Abraham knew that you know, even a resurrection would happen for God's word to actually come to pass by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come by faith Jacob when he was dying blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped leaning on the top of his staff by faith Joseph when he was dying made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones by faith Moses when he was born was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command by faith Moses when he became of age refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer with the people of God and to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he looked to the reward that's a remarkable thing Moses didn't know who Christ was he had no idea about Jesus coming thousands of years later and yet or whenever it a thousand years later um, and yet it says here that what he did when he um, when he suffered with his people that was counted as suffering with Christ And that tells me that there's something in faith that is is so much more than just what you know with your mind. See, he didn't know about Christ with his mind, and yet this is counted as as faith because of something in his heart and his spirit that was willing to, to do that. And Because this is what it talks about. It's by faith that he was able to do that. He was looking to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so were drowned. See, there's more life and there's more death. "'By faith the walls of Jericho fell down "'after they were encircled for seven days. "'By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish "'with those who did not believe "'when she had received the spies with peace.' And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. That's not E.T., by the way. That's um, (laughs) foreigners. Women received their dead, raised to life again. So more resurrection... (laughs) More resurrections. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Okay, it's getting forward in time here now. Still others had the trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and chains, of, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. See, these people knew that they belonged to a different world. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. That's a shame, isn't it? It's a shame they didn't receive the promise, but they were looking forward. Then it says this, it says, God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In other words... The promise that they were waiting for, they will receive with us when we receive the fullness of our promise. Because we are waiting for our resurrection, our bodily resurrection. And we will receive it together with the people that came before us. But this is where we find the next verse, which is a verse that we often like to quote. And remember what we've just walked through and it says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And these are our cloud of witnesses. They're the ones cheering us on. Let us run with, re- with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher or perfecter in other translations of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Let's just pause for a minute. So we've seen that faith is life and death. There's there's death involved, there's life involved Faith is looking forward. But what's interesting, if we read on, you see, those people in the, in the Old Testament, they were looking forward. They didn't see the fullness of their promise. Now, we are looking forward, but at the same time, we have more. Because if we read on in, in Hebrews 12, 22 to 24, it says this, it says, "'But you,' that's people of the new covenant, "'have come to Mount Zion.'" You have come, not you will come, not when you die you're going to come to heaven. You have come to Mount Zion to the, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than Abel. So, our home, which is not here, which is where we really belong, is something that we actually have been placed in. Because the Bible says that we have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And it says that we need to set our sights on this reality. In Colossians, it says we have to set our sights on the reality where Christ lives and where we are in him, seated with him. This is our reality. And faith is not only knowing this, but it's walking as if this is all true. It's walking this out. It's bringing the kingdom of God into our reality. That's why faith is the evidence of the things unseen. Because if there's no evidence, then what is it really? The things unseen remain unseen. Faith is life and death. And we're going to see this Shown in a picture as a living thing. I really believe faith is, is a living thing. And in Matthew chapter 17, it says this. So Jesus is speaking. Um, or, well, it starts, it says, The disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why couldn't we drive it out? He re- and Jesus replied, Because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So faith is described as like a mustard seed. And obviously a mustard seed is small, you know, which is kind of Jesus's point. Um, That you could have even a small amount of faith and that has power. But I want to draw out the the, the truth in this, is that the power of the mustard seed is actually in the fact that it's alive. It's alive. And the only way to release that power is to plant it in the ground. And Jesus kind of, he takes this in another place. He's not talking about mustard seeds, but this also applies. He says, "'Most surely I say to you, "'unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground "'and dies, it remains alone.'" but if it dies, it produces much grain. So if it dies into the ground, if it goes into the ground, that's where the mustard seed's power is released. It cannot do anything until it's planted. Okay, and there's, remember, the result of a mustard seed is a mustard tree and potentially thousands of trees because life just keeps multiplying, doesn't it? But all of that's unseen. You can't see the tree. You can't see the trees. All there is, is the instructions inside the seed of the DNA. All of that is unseen and it only takes action when it's planted in the ground. So there has to be a death in order for faith to work. For new life to come. And the same is true of us. I believe that we have to go through that too. So I had a some other things, I think I'm going I'm to move past some of these things because we're kind of running out of time. But um, actually, no, I think it's important. I'm going to keep, I'm going to, yeah, I think it's important. So let's take this further. We're talking about living things and, I, and we're going to do some school biology now. Does anyone remember Mrs. Nerg or Mrs. Gren? No? Yeah? So, so basically what, what that is, is seven things that all living things do. okay. And I, I'm, I, I've added one onto it as well, because I don't know whether they missed this, because it's kind of obvious, but I think it's relevant to what we're talking about. Um, and I've put it in my own words. So the first thing, is, which is a thing that I've added um, onto the list, is that all living things are born. They all have a beginning, they all have a cause, either one or two parents because some natural things only have one, some plants only have one parent. But all living things are born. And Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. So you cannot, you cannot, you know, try really hard, squeeze really hard, think really hard, and with your own willpower, create your faith. Jesus has to plant and birth the faith in you. It has to be born. He's the author. And he's the finisher. You see, that is another... um, Encouraging thing for us. Jesus, he didn't leave Peter in the water sinking. He pulled him out of the water. So where our faith ends is where Jesus takes us the rest of the way. I mean, that doesn't, that's not an invitation to, to have a lack of faith, but that, that is an encouragement that when we fail, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So all living things are born. All living things breathe. And what's the breath? The breath... In this case, is the Spirit, because the Spirit is the breath of God. It's described by Jesus as the wind, and you don't know where the wind is coming or where it's going. And actually, the life of faith is a bit like that. Living by faith can be a bit unpredictable at times, because we're not living just according to human understanding. Living by faith means to be directed by the Spirit. And also for the spirit to be our constant source, we have to be filled with the spirit all the time. Other, uh, sorry, all living things also eat; they feed. They have to have be uh, have nutrition. And faith is fed by the word of God, and also by testimonies. Can you think of a testimony that um, you know that happened to you recently that really builds your faith? We're going to have a testimony. In a little bit, um, to build your faith, but and that's why we've been reading a lot of the Bible because these examples of in Hebrews, you know, they are examples of great faith, and they should build our faith when we read them. So all living things also move. Okay, it's there's something wrong for a living thing to to never move. Something has gone wrong somewhere if it doesn't move. Um, so. A living thing should move, and our faith moves. It moves us into action. If we're not moved into action, then is it really faith? Or has it been hindered in some way? It should move us into action. There has to be mission. You know, God has given us all a mission and a purpose, and he's given us the overarching great commission. Faith also feels, okay, because all living things feel. Um, we have to be sensitive to Jesus, sensitive to the Spirit, to his direction in our life. And you know what? Jesus, as a man on the earth, he showed us a man who was very sensitive. He was very sensitive to the Spirit. He was also sensitive emotionally. You know, There were many times he got angry. Not sinfully angry, but he got angry. And things that made him compassionate. It, it, you know, it, he was sensitive to people's needs. And faith feels is sensitive faith um, also grows as all living things do again if I came out of my mother's womb and I stayed this size that would be a problem that would be a problem so um, faith grows and increases and if it doesn't then there's a problem faith also sheds and I've used the word sheds but in Mrs. Nerg I think it's excretes Um, you know that's a good one you might think, well, how, how, what, what relevant is that? Well, go back to Hebrews. It says that we have to remove every weight and every sin that holds us back. You know, sometimes we have to lay things down. We have to um, lay things down before God. In fact, faith only really comes when we lay ourselves down, you know, in the first place. Um, but all along the road, there are things we have to lay down and have to shed and have to remove from our lives if we're going to have more faith. It could be mindsets. It could be a mindset that you have. It could be a belief that you, a system that you have or an idea, a lie that you've believed. Maybe a lie about God. Maybe a lie about yourself. It might be a limitation that you've believed in. But we have to lay these things down. It might be a, a, an affection for something. Because remember, our affection has to be for another world that's not seen. For us to actually... Um, be agents of that kingdom in this world. And to do that, we have to lay down the affections for the things of this world. The last thing is that faith multiplies. It multiplies. It makes more of itself. And the outworking of faith, ultimately, is that we make disciples and that our faith is multiplied in other people. And Jesus showed us that. And he trained his disciples to do that. Okay? So, I've been through quite a lot in this, but I I wanted to share, I wanted to uh, bring a testimony um, because, as I said, testimonies do build faith. And I heard this testimony recently and I thought, wow, this is really powerful. Um, So, I'm going to invite Callum up to come and share um, a quick testimony with you.
1: This one's not working? No, it is. Hey. Um, So, Pete called me earlier in the week, or quite late in the week, um, knowing (laughs) Pete, Um, and he said um, he's preaching on Sunday and he wants me to share a testimony, and he said he spoke to this young girl, Hosanna, and I said, hold up, like, I know what testimony you're going to think, like, I know what you want me to share. Um, We're going back, like, two years, Um, and we had had a nice day, we were on the train back, and this young man, he gets on the train... Um, looking like pretty roughed up um, as if he had had a fight or or of some sorts like that Um, and I don't want to share false testimony because I can't remember all of it Um, but all I remember is that it really really hit me in the sense reaching out um, and listening to God and the spirit and being led by the spirit on all occasions Um, and Hosanna is one of those people Um, she's really encouraging And we're sat on this train. He gets on, like he sits in the carriage or like the chairs right opposite us. Um, And she goes to me, Callum, I don't think like, do you feel it as well? Like God wants me to talk to this man. Um, And I was like, well, (laughs) do what you want kind of thing. (laughs) Um, Because this was, I was still a relatively new Christian and hadn't even thought about this stuff yet. Um, but Hosanna she was quite a mature tr- Christian and obviously walks in that stuff quite a lot um, and I'm like well what happened <laughs> like what do you want to share kind of thing um, and she was like God is telling me about this man's life um, and I hadn't experienced any of that so I was like yeah go on short <laughs> um, but she's like I can't talk to him it's so like I don't even know who this guy is but I, like for all of you that know me, I, I'd like to think I'm quite confident, or silly and throw myself into things that I probably shouldn't sometimes. So here I am on this train carriage, I, like lean across, tap this guy on the leg, and I'm like, "Hey, like my friend Hosanna, um, she really feels like she wants to share something with you." And he's like, "Sure," um, and she like speaks into his life. Um, I can't remember if there was healing or like. That he, he, like everything that she said, he resonated with um, to the point where, uh, as well, if you know me, I love staying in contact with people because I love seeing how people progress. Um, and after this meeting with a guy on a train, I was like, we have to stay connected of some sorts. So I had his Instagram and I think a WhatsApp. Um, and he texted me like that night and he said, Whatever happened that night, he said, I know I got off the train, like not the same person. And that was just like, for me, I'm like, this is like, A member of the public, we see millions of them every day or we see, that's uh, probably not correct, (laughs) but we see a lot of them. Like We live and breathe with people and that's a testimony to ourselves because we have so much in us um, that God has given us experiences, life experiences to share. Um, And God also gives us words of knowledge and words of wisdom and encouragement for us to share. Um, It's just whether we're listening um, and walking with God in that way. And that was a real encouragement for me to step out in faith sometimes and be like do you know what sitting on a train it's very easy to stay to yourself just go to where you're going but sometimes God wants to change that up and um, throw a spanner in the works that makes everyone feel uncomfortable sometimes but that's what we're made to feel like I believe that we're not made to be like this okay with what God is doing and he's all, like always want more with God um, and you'll never ever get to the point where like God is done with you he's he's done, He's given you enough words or like just seek that um and it moves on to a little bit of a testimony where that was encouraging me to talk to people um and then that one that I shared with the woman at the bus stop um that was not the first time I'd done something like that, but I was pretty dry in that season where I was like, I have no faith that God is gonna use me how I'd like to be used. Um <laughs> like it's so weird. I remember getting up that day just being like I was I think oh man, I was going to buy Claire a Christmas present. Long story. Um and I was on the bus um or at the bus stop. I overheard this woman talking. Um and same with me, I felt God just say you need to talk to her and if you don't you're gonna miss something. Um so I was I, I prayed that prayer in the morning like God use me. Show me how you can work in me again. Um, and that same day the lady gave her life at the bus stop. Um, so for me, like, if you're, if you're dead in faith or if you're a little bit standing still where you are, just like get alive with God again. Um, and that's not saying I'm perfect because I'm not. I'm still in places where I'm like, <laughs> I'd like something from God, but probably I'm not listening. Um, so just encouragement to, like, be around people that build your faith Um be around like-minded people that build you up and not tear you down. Um like iron sharpens iron. So mm. we want to be around believers that encourage us to share our faith, not keep it to ourselves. Um and yeah, just keep on listening to God. Um a lot can be said with that, and I'm sure Pete is doing oh he is doing a great job on building your guys' faith, hopefully. So
0: <laughs> well, thanks, Callum. I, d- I need this. Um
2: so basically, like he was really messed up because he had been in a fight with a guy, who I think he had found him cheating, like his her, his girlfriend cheating on him with his friend, and he basically beat up this guy so bad that he thought he had killed him. And uh, Hosanna, like she shared it on at KLM this Thursday, so like I remember it well. She was like, oh. um, he he had thought that he had killed him everything and Hosanna was like God told me everything that had happened to him that night and she went over and was like you've just been in a fight with like your friend and you and you're like really worried because you think you've killed him and he was just like how do you know that like how do you know that and then she was yeah just like telling him like so many things that like he was like how do you know this stuff and he was just like crying and everything and um and yeah and then also the healing like she he had like cuts on his hand from where he had like been punching the guy and uh, as she was praying for him on the train as well like some of the bruises started disappearing but yeah i just thought to share that bit is important
0: thank you isn't that amazing the bruises disappearing um but you know god spoke into that situation and that was a word of knowledge you know and, and oftentimes we can limit the, the words of knowledge and the gifts of the Spirit to the church. But actually, God wants to take them out of the church as well. You know, He wants to use them to show people His glory and to lead people to Him. Um, and I really believe that, you know, I mean, we've been talking about prophecy. Uh, I think Ken talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about healing last week. Um, you know, to go after these things, to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, to say, "God, you know, use me today," and to be willing, because, you know, if we step out and it doesn't work, then, you know, what have you lost? You know, maybe a bit of your, um, I don't know, like pride or whatever. But actually, um, if it does work, it could change someone's life completely. Um, and and also, you know, gifts are so important. But actually, um, faith has to be for everything in our lives. You know, a word of knowledge or a miracle is not the only expression of faith. You know, faith can be shown in so many things. Um, You know, but the important thing is that when we do something out of faith, it's done because we capture um, something of the kingdom of heaven and we want to bring it into this world. We want to pray, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and for that to be shown through every part of our life, whether it's you know our time at work, the way we do our work, the way we use our money, the people that we hang out with, our friends, um, you know, the creative things that we do, or the abilities that we have, you know, everything we do really should be done in faith, um, you know, and that is what is eternal. Now, I've been speaking a long time. I want to finish on this. It's a spoken word. So I'm going to read the spoken word. It's going to kind of wrap up um, really what I've been talking about. It's called the seed. Okay. How many seeds are in a tree? And how many trees are in a seed? The book of life's instructions birthed within a longing to be free, freedom to multiply. It was a seed that contained creation's command and crushes the head of the enemy. It was a seed that went into the ground for three days, the earth's great remedy. It's a seed that's mightier than the sword, for what sword can move mountains, what spear can raise the dead, what arrows calm storms and make the blind see again? The seed looks for the broken soil, the ones who give the ones who toil, because growth is costly and fruit isn't fast, but its legacy will last in the hands of those who build the city unseen." If the seed is in you, it's longing to be free, freedom to multiply, to become a thousand trees. So where will you plant it? What will you do? The earth in anticipation waits for you. Well, thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We pray that it will be a blessing and that you will tune in next week.